the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is exactly that. Good morning to you. Thanks, 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, the 19th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks again to uh, Pastor Chris Long last half hour. Thanks also to Michael Johns, uh, co-founder of the National Tea Party Movement, who joined us in the first half hour of the program. Joined now by our favorite guest each and every week right here on the Bob France Authority, and that, of course, is Peter Kirstenau, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. He's a Cleveland attorney. He's a best-selling author, and he's the host of the Kirstenau Report right here on the answer as well. Pete, good morning, my friend. 97 days till spring training, not too far, and 129 days to the first game, and the Steelers still lost. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't, ask, don't tell that to Baker. Baker really, really felt after the game on Thursday because of everything that had happened. There was a, no celebration. Everybody just felt terrible about what had happened and what was going to happen to Miles Garrett in the, uh, uh, you know, in the aftermath of all of that. It's kind of weird. You're right. I mean, the Browns won a big game. The Steelers lost a big game, but uh, all of that was lost in the, uh, in the sideshow. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, I am going to, however, everyone be forewarned. I'm bringing Mason Rudolph's helmet to the event on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that'd be a great idea to be honest with you. I don't think there's anybody you'd want to use it on though on that stage. I think we're going to just be in case, right. just in case. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Uh, Pete, uh, I want to get into four things with you. One is the impeachment circus. Uh, two is the Kaepernick uh, social justice workout on Saturday. Then we're going to talk Chick Fil A, and then we're going to talk about hate crimes in the United States. Uh, thanks to your report and your article in National Review on that. First, let's start with the impeachment circus, and I'll start with some good news. There is at least one Democrat. Congressman. Now, this isn't a surprise that he says this because he's one of the two that voted against the impeachment inquiry in the first place. But he is watching this very closely and very carefully, and he has uh, come to one conclusion, and that is this is failing. 
Uh, this is failing. Jeff Bandrew, Democrat from New Jersey, said the Democrats are not accomplishing, his party are not accomplishing anything in here uh, with respect to what, what's going on in these hearings. Andrew, Congressman Van Drew, you were just saying why you voted against the impeachment inquiry. Does that mean you are poised to vote no on impeachment? We're expecting an impeachment vote sometime in December. How will you vote? Uh, I, I would imagine that I'll be voting no. Now, I always, you know, have a codicil if there's something new, something we haven't heard, something that really rises to the level of treason or, you know, a high crime, that would be different. But we don't see that. We right. see little different variations, hearsay, discussions, somebody heard something that somebody else said. Impeachment, you know that our founding fathers had vigorous debates of whether they would even allow right. impeachment in the Constitution. Yeah. You don't disenfranchise voters, millions upon millions of voters. That's a very, very well said. He almost sounds like a Republican, talking about hearsay, talking about variations, differences in policy, et cetera, et cetera. You don't impeach a president for those things. This is a Democrat. Are there any chinks in the Democrat armor, Pete, based on what you've seen in the first week now plus of, of hearings? Uh, the chink is that they have no armor. There's <laughs> nothing here. Uh, look, from a historical, I, I won't bother with history. Um, and I won't bother you, unfortunately, with an exposition on the Constitution, as was just explained by you. I mean, this is an extraordinary remedy, impeachment, which means you can't go into an impeachment proceeding based on, well, Fred heard from Bob, who said Mary believed that such and such happened. You don't do those kinds of things, especially when this is within the prerogative of the president. I mean, consider, for example, um, What's the new rule that the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, are foisting upon us? That the president, under his Article II powers, can't ask for cooperation on an investigation of corruption, election meddling, if that corrupt person happens to be a political opponent? I mean, what kind of exception has that been? That, even if you take it to that extreme. But bottom line is, best evidence is the transcript. We have the transcript, as the president has said. Everybody can read it. There is no there there. In addition to that, every single witness does not dispute the transcript. They can't because nobody heard it till now. And the one witness who may have overheard it, Kurt Volker, the, the NATO ambassador, says no money was withheld. What we get, Bob, is a parade of bureaucrats. And I don't mean to say that in a pejorative fashion, as if these are guys are just, you know, kind of uh, ciphers that don't do anything of any importance. But nonetheless, they are federal lifetime unelected bureaucrats they do not establish policy. Apparently, they've forgotten that the president establishes policy. They serve at the pleasure of the president. And the policy was assigned by him. Remember this. All these bureaucrats, 95%, you heard me right, 95% of federal employees donated to Hillary Clinton. In the State Department, it was slightly less than that. It was only 94.3% donated to Hillary Clinton. Some of the people who have been called to testify were holdovers from the Obama administration. And remember, we heard from Ivanovich, oh, it was just so horrible that she got fired by the president. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's his prerogative. But more importantly, none of these people were weeping and rending their garments when Obama fired every single Bush ambassador day one. 
All this is is just the latest iteration of trying to upend the 2016 election and the will of the American people. Peter, uh, since you brought up Yovanovitch, I just want to kind of talk about that part again for a second. I, th- I thought this was very telling uh, when, Amb- or not Ambassador, when uh, Representative Chris Stewart questioned Ambassador Yovanovitch. Listen to this one. Madam Ambassador, as, as you see it here before us, very simply and directly, do you have any information regarding the President of the United States accepting any bribes? No. Do you have any information regarding any criminal activity that the President of the United States has been involved with at all? No. The long pauses before sheepishly admitting no, I think are very telling as well. Pete, I'll ask you the same thing I asked Jordan yesterday. Why do they keep bringing in witnesses who haven't witnessed anything? That's all they have. And I think, look, um, there's, I can't make any predictions here. It was my belief that they would vote to impeach. I think they've got almost a political imperative to satisfy their base to do so. Uh, But, of course, we know it's going to happen in the Senate. I'm starting to wonder whether or not we will get to the point of voting on impeachment. I still think they're going to do it, but it's now... You know, it's, it's, I think, a question as to whether or not they're going to proceed. I think what they're really trying to accomplish here, knowing that they're not going to be able to remove the president from office, is to have a slow drip, 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 to diminish the president, to damage him in the run-up to the election, because that's all they've got. They're not going to be able to present any type of evidence. And when the polls show that the people who think that Trump should be impeached and removed from office held that position, the same position, before the hearings began as they do now. In other words, these hearings have not moved the needle whatsoever. That is frustrating the Democrats' primary purpose for this impeachment effort. It's, it's, it's not working. And in fact, I believe, I don't know this, but I'll make predictions like every other pundit. I happen to think that because of everything that's led up to this, the Russia hoax, the complete capitulation of the media, I mean, complete and utter, now there's no pretense that they're not taking sides. Uh, I think people are inured to this. They know what the game is. The game is up. They are not persuading anybody whatsoever. And I think, in fact, it may be a backlash because they are, this is a huge overreach, especially after the failed Russiagate attempt. This just yeah. makes and that's everybody all it on is. the left look bad. Yeah, that's all it is. This is, this is, look, we failed at that one. We have to come up with something before 2020. Nancy Pelosi pretty much admitted that, that the election would be a terrible thing to allow to happen to the, with this president because he will get reelected. Pete, I'm going to take a time out here so we can come back and talk about chicken sandwiches and slave social justice warrior workouts on high school football fields. We'll explain all that right after this on AM 1420. All right, 1024 now. We continue with Peter Kersenow on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, Pete, um, you know this big battle that's been going on between Popeye's chicken sandwiches and Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwiches? Because they're like considered to be the, the standards of the industry. And once uh, Popeye's came out with theirs recently, you know, there's this massive wave. They're selling out at every location for just, you know, in, in just a matter of hours. And, and there may be a new king. I, I, I always just, refl- you know, reflexively... I said Chick-fil-A's better. 
and I always have that bias, even if it may or may not be, because I love Chick-fil-A because of who they are and what they do, and they stand up to the cancel culture, and they don't let the LGBTQ mafia bully them into not supporting traditional views of marriage and supporting uh, financially organizations that are Christian-based. Um, that's why it's so disappointing, and I kind of feel like we all feel betrayed by the fact that they have essentially caved in. They have said they are no longer going to donate to the Salvation Army, nor the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, two organizations that are Christian-run and that are believers in uh, uh, biblical teachings, and now, essentially, the left has won. They have defeated a giant uh, American corporation, and I'm worried about what kind of signal this sends to the... Um, uh, to the uh, far left cancel culture crowd, uh, look, we got Chick Fil A to bend uh, and break. We can do this to other organizations too. Now, who's next on our hit list? Yeah, that's exactly right, Bob. Because this is not going to mollify or placate uh, the social justice warriors. It just emboldens them and makes them even hungrier to impose their views on others. And I'm disappointed myself. I was involved in the both the San Antonio and Buffalo. Uh, airport shutdowns or or attempted to uh, uh, withhold franchises of Chick-fil-A at both those airports Mm -hmm. and, you know, had been involved with the San Antonio City Council and Buffalo uh, Metro Airport and stuff and wrote letters indicating that they had been violating the First Amendment rights of Chick-fil-A. There's court cases squarely on point related to this that a governmental entity can't do something like withhold a franchise from a Chick-fil-A, a private uh, entity on the basis of their religious beliefs or exercise of religious beliefs. Nonetheless, I hear this morning Chick-fil-A is backtracking, and this always happens. You know, you cannot appease any social justice warrior and not have it have ramifications. Now they're saying that they're not changing uh, the contributions. They're simply targeting them in a certain way that they're still going to contribute Frankly, I think that, you know, they're trying to have it both ways now. Uh, It remains to be seen what happens. But I agree with you, Bob, that this is extremely disappointing. It's a defeat, at least cosmetically. And that's probably, at this point, what's most important. Because, you know, look, it's not going to encourage more people to go to Chick-fil-A from, you know, the social justice side of the equation. I doubt too many of them even went to to Chick-fil-A to begin with. But what it will do is embolden the left to target someone else, to continue to repress and suppress our religious freedom and have to march in lockstep with the current social justice issue of the day. That's uh, that's very well said, uh, Pete. And while you're on the issue of social justice, let me squeeze this in before the bottom of the hour as well. That way we can talk about FBI crime stats and hate crime stats after the bottom of the hour. Um there was a slave named Kunta Kinte, apparently, working out for uh, eight NFL teams on Saturday uh, at an Atlanta-area high school about 60 miles away from the Falcon Stadium. You know, of course, what I'm talking about. Colin Kaepernick decided to tell the world that he's still a slave, even though, well, I guess he's oppressed. Half of, half of him has to be being oppressed by the other half, right? Because he's half black and half white, so he's half slave and half slave owner, apparently. I don't know. But he wore his Kunta Kinte shirt. Uh, alienated more NFL fans, alienated more NFL teams by moving the venue, throwing the football for about uh, an hour or so, uh, and then getting up and preaching social justice once again. Uh, the guy is acting like a victim. He's expanding his martyrhood um, uh, and scoring more victim points, I suppose. What say you? A couple things. First of all, uh, this goes beyond you know, race. He's just a jerk. 
you know, I think we have to look at it from the standpoint of this is a guy. Remember the old diminishing skills when Belichick talked about uh, uh, Bernie, Bernie yeah. Kozar having diminishing skills? Well, Kaepernick had diminishing skills in the last season in which he played. Now, he looked pretty good in that Super Bowl season, I have to say. You know, he was not yeah. bad at all. Uh, but he had diminishing skills, and, you know, the NFL is a competitive business. And now that you've been out of football for three years, that's a long time. You know, I know a number of us, Bob, you and I probably are sitting watching the Browns every single Sunday waiting for that phone call when somebody gets hurt, okay? And we're ready to go and jump onto the field. But three years is a long time. Uh, the guy is the uh, – it's amazing how the corporate establishment, the NFL, caters and capitulates to this one individual, and we tend to forget the underlying bases for Colin Kaepernick's fame. That is, he knelt, but why was he kneeling? Remember, he was kneeling for something that was fraudulent. Exactly. He had maintained... We keep forgetting this. The underlying issue, he keeps talking about social justice. He keeps saying that blacks are unfairly targeted by cops. The stats show the opposite. And no matter how many times the media, the left, the academy, and I, I repeat myself, continue to perpetuate this notion that cops are singling out blacks. Now, that may have happened 30 or 40 years ago. But the stats are extremely clear now that what we see, and we saw this at stats presented to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, is that cops are less likely to target black perpetrators for a number of reasons, one of which is who wants to be the next guy who's in the dock, the next cop who is accused of uh, unfairly or jumping the gun and shooting some uh, a suspect, that guy is going to be put through hell. I can't even remember some of the names of some of these cops who you don't hear from anymore. They've lost their jobs. They've gone into hiding somewhere. Yeah, but, but Peter, it doesn't matter. You're bringing facts into a case, uh, into the situation where they have no place, because it isn't about any of that. He All, all we need to know is that he wore pig socks with cop hats. He compared uh, cops to slave catchers, and, and he says he's standing up for people who, for, uh, uh, um, who are oppressed while wearing a Castro shirt in Miami where hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Cuban-Americans uh, are, are watching that, uh, knowing that their families were tortured and imprisoned uh, as, as political dissidents under Castro. So it, it, the entire narrative that he's tried to create is fraudulent, and the only thing his supporters see is he was just engaging in peaceful protest by kneeling, and he's being assaulted and being victimized for it. And that, Pete, is the part that is just most aggravating to me. I want everybody to know. I want everybody to know that he doesn't believe in a single thing that he's doing. He's doing it for 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 uh, 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 to expand his victimhood brand. And I apologize for taking too much of your time there, but let's get to news, and I'll let you on that as we talk hate crimes after this on AM fifteen twenty. The answer. All right, 1036 now. We continue with Peter Personnel on AM1420, The Answer, a Cleveland attorney and a member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. Pete, I want to give you the last word on uh, on Colin Kaepernick there um, because I did kind of take some of your time away, but I'm just so frustrated. You know, the facts be damned. It doesn't matter how many uh, police involved, uh, you know, uh, police brutality uh, events or police shootings involving African Americans. Those numbers don't matter to his supporters. They just see a guy who is standing up for what was his Nike campaign, Pete? Um, um, 
believe in something, even, believe right. in something, I, even if it costs you everything or something like that. As if yeah, that's it cost the him. Uh, it cost Nike anymore. a few million dollars, and he got the yeah. benefit of it. You know, the, the facts are, and these are important facts. And thanks very much, Bob. These are yeah. very important because the people who are getting harmed are blacks as a result of his campaign. Because what happens is you have the Ferguson effect as a result of this. Just a couple of stats for your audience, so they know. I think it's important to be armed with these stats because in the public discourse. You need to establish, because it looks like the media doesn't care, politicians don't care, they'll perpetuate lies, and it harms individuals because of the Ferguson effect. Keep this in mind. Colin Kaepernick is saying that, and his, his fans are saying that blacks are being unfairly targeted by whites, when the opposite is true according to all of the research, and it's dramatically so. Let me just give you a couple of, of stats, Bob. Uh, we talked about this once before. Um, in New York City, for example, in New York City, blacks are not 10%, not 20%, not 30%, but 1,700% more likely to commit murder than whites. When you've got stats like that, of course, blacks are going to have more encounters with cops. And when you do the correlation, that is, the number of incidents that would spur an encounter with a cop versus the number of incidents where a there's a police-involved shooting versus the same type of correlation with respect to whites, it turns out that blacks are shot less frequently than white perpetrators are. And here's the other stat. Black police officers are three times as likely to be involved in shootings of black suspects as white police officers. I can go on and on and on with stats such as that. It's just the, the stats are just so unbalanced, yet you don't hear that from the media. Well, big surprise. You don't hear a lot of things from the media, whether it's the narrative with respect to impeachment or these types of stats. But this is important stuff because what happens is you just heard the stat with respect to black officers and white officers. You get what's known as the Ferguson effect because officers are concerned about what will happen. If they're involved in a police-involved shooting or any other kind of an encounter, they tend to withdraw from active policing. It's called the Ferguson Effect, coined by my friend Heather McDonald. Right. And what we've seen in places like Baltimore and St. Louis and Chicago and New York because of the Ferguson Effect is crime rates go through the roof. And who gets harmed? innocent blacks. So this is not some type of little campaign, advertising campaign with respect to standing for something you believe in. This isn't simply about Colin Kaepernick. This has to do with real lies, lives and the lies that result in those lives being lost. Pete, I'm going to use that, especially since you brought up the media, uh, you know, the, the, the way they would tell the story, which is completely counter the facts to the facts and the stats that you just pointed out. I'll segue into hate crimes. Headline... Uh, New York Times, and I'm trying to find the date. This is from the 12th. This is week a week old uh, when the new FBI crime statistics on hate crimes were released. Headline in the Times, hate crime violence hits 16-year high, FBI reports. And the subheadline, the Bureau's annual report showed a significant upswing in violence against Latinos. Now, I don't think you have to be a Rhodes Scholar to understand what they are saying here. Hate crime is escalated in the era of Trump, and it's primarily against Latinos because of his anti-immigration policies, his demonization of Mexicans as being rapists, blah, 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 blah. And I'm gonna, since you wrote an entire article about this for National Review, I'll let you take it uh, from there. 
Bob, a couple of things with respect to this. Again, this is consistent with what the press has been doing to perpetuate a certain narrative. And the narrative narrative is Trump bad, right? And all the supporters, by extension, are bad. All we deplorables who are inveterate racists. The headline is, at best, I'll be charitable, misleading. It just so happens that yesterday, two th- not yesterday, but last week, two things happened. The FBI released its annual hate crimes reports and contemporaneously therewith, my U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, I don't own it, but I happen to sit on it, issued its hate crimes report that was at least two years in the making. Of course, liberals on the commission, there's a 6-2 liberal majority on the commission, crafted the report to suggest, consistent with the narrative, that because of Trump and the rise of white supremacy, there are more hate crimes. Well, it numbers are a difficult thing to massage into the left's narrative, because just as with the stats I just gave you with with respect to police-involved shootings, the true numbers with respect to hate crimes show that, in fact, the number of hate crimes are falling, number one. There's no wave of hate crimes. In fact, there are 500 fewer hate crimes in 2008, according to FBI's statistics, 500 fewer than there were just 13 years ago or 15 years ago. There are fewer now than there were before, despite two things. One is there are millions more people in the United States of America, and in addition, thousands more law enforcement agencies are now reporting hate crimes. In fact, in the last year, 1,000 more law enforcement agencies began reporting hate crimes, which you would think would contribute to a rise in the total number of hate crimes reporting. Instead, what we have is actually a decrease. Contrary, I guess people at the New York Times cannot count. This is simple arithmetic, Bob. If you don't believe me, your, your listeners can go to the FBI's crime statistics themselves. Okay, and they can do some just very easy addition and subtraction, because what happened is there were 55 fewer hate crimes in 2018 than 2017 and 500 fewer than there were in 2006, despite the fact that we have more people, despite the fact that we have more agencies reporting and Most of those agencies, I can't recall the exact figure, Bob, but it's in the 90 percentile. Most of those agencies don't report a single hate crime within their jurisdictions. And, of course, they wouldn't if it turns out that the total number of hate crimes compared to all violent crimes. Here's one stat that I had in my article, Bob, and I think it puts things into perspective and shows you why this narrative is being driven, what the objective is here. There have been, in in 2015, it was the last year for which I had good aggregate numbers. There were 1,231,566 murders, rapes, aggravated assaults, and robberies. In other words, violent crimes. 1,200,000, all right? Only 821, or .000067, were classified as hate crimes. And if you do the math on that, there are about 550 People hit by lightning strikes every year in the country, and those lightning strikes generally happen in the summer months, right? So you are statistically just as likely to be the victim of a violent hate crime as you are to be struck by the proverbial bolt of lightning. 
Wow. That puts it into perspective, but it doesn't satisfy the New York Times or anyone else's narrative. And again, why is this bad? It's bad because for political reasons, they are exacerbating racial tensions. And when you exacerbate racial tensions, I mean, the founding fathers understood this stuff. Those slave-owning racists knew this stuff. You cannot have this kind of toxic factionalization in the country without there being severe consequences. But for political reasons, apparently some people don't care. Pete, I want to go back to the report and uh, more over your um, one of the uh, lines in your in your National Review article about this. Perhaps more importantly than all the statistics about what's right and what's wrong and how many there have been and how they cannot count, etc. As you write, the report fails to answer one simple question. Will designating something a hate crime prevent or reduce the incidence of such crimes? Um, and, and that's a, that's a big part of this. Everybody says, oh, well, we have a rise in it. Whether something is designated a hate crime is not changing those crimes for, or stopping those crimes from being committed, at least anything, uh, in any way that we have seen thus far, right? Right, and it gives the game away, Bob, because I asked that question of all the experts, all the witnesses we had at the hearings. If something is designated a hate crime, does it help solve the crime? Does it help deter the crime? Will it result in fewer such crimes? And not one individual could say yes. Not one. Instead, they said, well, you've got to realize the real issue here is that white males feel threatened, and that's why there's more hate crimes. Well, first of all, there aren't more hate crimes, and second of all, most, by a large margin, blacks are more likely to commit hate crimes than whites. All of these things don't feed into the narrative, so they are ignored, not reported, or completely distorted and lied about. And I say again, the reason I say this is, Truth and facts matter because if you lie about these things, there are real-world consequences. And guess who gets hurt? Blacks and Hispanics get hurt more than anybody else. There's one area in which hate crimes have increased, and that is anti-Semitic hate crimes, especially in New York City. We see most of the hate crimes in New York City, I think it was 46% when I looked at the data, are uh, attacks against Jews. And when you look at who's doing the attacking, there are a few, it's not the white supremacists that are doing the attacking. I'm not saying there are no white supremacists who may have done this, but the vast majority are not white supremacists. It's not happening, but again, doesn't feed into the preferred narrative. There's no political benefit to saying what the truth is. Peter Kirstenau laying it out for us as only he can. I'm going to tweet and Facebook post. In fact, uh, I started to, to compose the Facebook post during the break. <clears throat> Excuse me. It will be available um, uh, really in the next break, uh, a link to Peter's article in the National Review. Print it, save it, share it, email it, do it, share it on your own social media, but let everybody know the facts about the quote-unquote FBI hate crime statistics. Pete, last thing before you bail. Thursday, uh, the War for America's Soul is on. Uh, we're going to be on stage with uh, Peter, Kurt, or excuse me, with uh, Sebastian Gorka and with Hugh Hewitt, and I'm very much looking forward to it. What do you most want to uh, uh, to discuss at this event? There's so many, you know, the impeachment thing, the racial strife in this country, uh, the anti-police narratives, the the uh, you know the climate alarmists all screaming at us. How dare you? We're robbing childhoods uh, from children, et cetera, et cetera. What's the most important thing that you want to get uh, get into the uh, conversation on Thursday? It's all those things which, when combined, say that we are at the verge of losing America. 
I'm concerned about that. As all your listeners know who've heard me speak to the various groups, fine groups, it's been something I've been concerned about for a number of years. I thought we were at or, or near a tipping point, maybe even beyond a tipping point during the 2016 election. Um, unfortunately, despite the fact that we've got the singular most important person from bringing us back from the precipice in office right now, I don't think anybody else could have done it. I still think we are in dire, dire, I think things are getting worse. And after there's a Donald Trump or after there's a, another conservative president, we're still going in a bad direction. Our institutions and our, especially our educational institutions, are, I think, driving us over the cliff. So the direction of the country, Bob. Pete, I'm very much looking forward to that conversation between yourself and Hugh and uh, uh, Dr. Gorka. I'll try not to drag the conversation down too much uh, because I think there's going to be a lot to be learned to all of those in attendance on Thursday. Pete, look forward to seeing you then. Thank you, my friend. Feeling dangerous. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You just realized. Uh, never mind. Never mind. We'll talk We'll talk about the Browns and the Steelers next time around. Peter Kirst now joining us on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1049. We'll get a timeout. But before I do that, since I was just talking to Pete about the um, War for America Soul Tour, and there are only a handful of general admission tickets remaining. Uh, all of the VIPs are gone. The table of VIP uh, uh, tickets sold away, sold out immediately. But you can still get in to the general admission show, uh, the uh, panel discussion that we will have at the Holiday in Rockside on Thursday at whkradio.com. But since I'm on that subject, don't forget also to get there early and get your tickets for Barbecue Brew and Hugh. This is going to be a tremendous opportunity to go one-on-one with Hugh Hewitt about all of these issues that matter so much to all of us, as well as having a great time. It's going to be held at the club inside the Holiday Inn Rockside, which is called Impulse, and it's brought to us by Sullivan's Brewing. They're bringing their amazing, award-winning ales uh, to the event. You can have great food there at the club. You can have great brews and have great conversation on politics and everything else that matters to us. Bring your, uh, your younger generation uh, adults as well, or even teenagers if they're interested in these things, because it's really going to be a great chance to be enlightened by Hugh Hewitt. Uh, that brew, by the way, the Sullivan Brewing uh, uh, ales that they're going to bring, when I said award-winning, I mean they're award-winning. They literally uh, uh, won the title of Best Ale in the World by the International Brewing Awards. That's like the Oscars of the brewing industry, so it's that good. So if you love your beer and you love your politics, come on out to Barbe- uh, uh, Barbecue Brew and Hugh on Thursday. Get your tickets for that before the War for America Soul event online at whkradio.com. Final segment coming up right here on The Authority. All right, 1054, final segment of The Authority. I uh, I want to follow up to wrap up this show. Uh, what Peter Kersenau was just talking about with us. First of all, that headline, and I just linked it as I promised I would. So it's on my Facebook page. I'll do Twitter later. But on my Facebook page, go to France Radio. That's my Facebook page. And you will see what I wrote here. And I, I, I included a picture of that New York Times headline that said, Hate crime violence hit 16-year high, FBI reports. And I wrote that this is a perfect example of why the president and many of us call the mainstream media, such as the Times, fake news. The pick is the headline offered by the Times on the latest FBI hate crime statistics, and it's a lie. The truth is right here. And then I included the link to Kersenau's article, 
which is headlined uh, Hate Crimes, a Reality Check by U.S. Civil Rights Commissioner Peter Kersenow. So I, I, I want you to read that on your own time, but I'm going to read a portion of it here to wrap up this show because it's important to understand. When I say that it's a lie, this is what Pete and, and I were talking about. <clears throat> the actual statistics about hate crimes in this country confound the left's narrative that there is this massive increase in white supremacy groups committing hate crimes against defenseless minorities. That's the media's narrative. But as Pete writes, the actual statistics confound that narrative. Last year, we were told that that an increase of 1,000 reported hate crimes in 2017 versus 2016 was evidence of a wave of hate sweeping the country, promoted primarily by Donald Trump, according to the left, right? But that increase is much more likely due to the fact that 1,000 more law enforcement agencies began reporting hate crimes to the FBI for the first time in 2017. So if each new agency reported just one hate crime, that alone would account for the increase. Furthermore, even the 1,000 year-over-year increase brought the number of hate crimes to 7,175, which is fewer than there were in 2006 when there were 7,624 hate crimes. In fact, earlier this week, the FBI released the 2018 hate crime statistics, revealing there were 7,120 hate crimes. That's 55 fewer than 2017. But the headline is, hate crime violence at 16-year high, FBI reports. That's why we say fake news. And now let's get to the more important issue. The fact that the report put out by the FBI and by Peter's commission, uh, which he disagreed with, of course, failed to answer that question about will designated a hate crime, a hate crime designating it as such, prevent or reduce the incidence of such crimes. He asked that question of witnesses on the commission's briefing on the topic and was greeted with silence, which wasn't as revealing as, and I'm quoting Pete now, when I asked the witnesses what they made of the fact that blacks are far more likely to commit hate crimes than are whites. According to the FBI statistics, in 2018, blacks, who are just 13.4% of the overall population, accounted for 18.8% of the hate crime perpetrators. Whites, who are 76.5% of the population, accounted for 41% of the hate crime perpetrators. When I asked the witnesses whether we should therefore direct greater hate crime prevention efforts toward the black community, many of them stared at me with expressions ranging from confusion to hostility, reemphasizing that the real problems is that white males feel threatened, and that's the real reason for the phantom increase in hate crimes. This is just spectacular reporting and number crunching by, by Peter Kersena. And without people like him, Truthfully, and without some of the people who do great work uh, exposing the left and the left's media-driven uh, narratives um, uh, here on Salem Radio, people like you and Prager and Gorka and so on, and Larry Elder, my friend, it, without all of these people honestly exposing them and, and telling the truth here, Lord only knows what the American people would believe. To wrap it up in the last 20 seconds that I have here, one of the other big headlines of the day is that 70% of Americans believe that Donald Trump did something wrong as it pertains to Ukraine. Well, are you surprised when 100% of the media narrative is against Donald Trump and controlled by Adam Schiff? Honestly, we need people to push back with truth. 
And that's what the War for America Sold is all about on Thursday. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 